on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Josh deals, swing and a miss. He struck him out, and this one is over. He got him with a breaker down low and in, and Molina went after it. And the Brewers take game two. Wow. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Pollard. Good pitching, just enough timely hitting, and the Brewers come away with a victory tonight here at American Family Field. 4-1 the final score. Brandon Woodruff once again was just phenomenal. Seven and two-thirds, one run on three hits. Ten strikeouts, one walk. He does not give up that run until he was uh, into that uh, eighth inning when St. Louis was able to tie it up. But something we talk about a lot on this program, answering runs. And the Brewers answer the Cardinals as they come up with the three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. That was enough for the win. Final score, 4-1. Give credit to St. Louis. They made it a little bit interesting there in the ninth inning as Yadier Molina came up representing the tying run. But he strikes out against Josh Hader, and the Brewers come away victorious. We have you for the next hour and four minutes. We are taking you until 11.30 this evening. If you want to join us, you can do so. Multiple ways to get connected with the program. You can call or you can text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. You can also uh, tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. So the Brewers get the win. They are now even in the series with another opportunity to take a series against a divisional opponent if they can come up with the win tomorrow when Corbin Burns is going to match up against Jack Flaherty. How about that for a pitching matchup tomorrow? Burns against Flaherty, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that when you're talking about pitchers in the National League. But the Brewers, are, they've done what they've done many times so far. Lose the first game of the series against a divisional opponent, come back and win game number two, and now we'll see if they can uh, win game three tomorrow. Yeah, scoring a few runs, that doesn't cure everything. The Brewers, from a hitting with runners and scoring position standpoint, it was still a struggle today. They go one for six. They had some opportunities in this game, just could not come up with the big hit, but eventually they do when they put up the three spot there in the eighth inning, and uh, that was enough for them to uh, come away with the win today. So just a good win all the way around as the Brewers uh, pick up the win against the Cardinals by a 4-1 score. Again, if you want to join us, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We will hear the postgame comments of manager Craig Council. We will go back through the game with the highlights. And again, uh, Craig Kishon from Bally Sports Wisconsin. He is going to uh, join us as well on the program. A lot to get to. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Brewers get the win over the Cardinals by a 4-1 score. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. From the windup, the 1-2. Swing and a miss. 98 in on his hands. Arenado swung through it. Strikeout number 5 for Brandon Woodruff. Brewers get a nice win. They knock off the Cardinals today. They win by a 4-1 score. I really thought, I'm not trying to make too much of any one moment, but you consider how yesterday's game went for the Brewers to have the lead going into the eighth, and then St. Louis, they get that home run to tie things up. 
says a lot about this team that they found a way to push across those three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, and then they end up uh, holding up. It got interesting there in the ninth inning with a couple runners on in a three-run game for St. Louis, but Josh Hader was able to uh, close it down. He gets his eighth save of the year, and the Brewers pick up the win by a 4-1 score. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Got a uh, text message from the 414. says, Adrian Hauser was up in the bullpen. Do you see him becoming a reliever? If he was up in the bullpen, I didn't notice it, and it was not announced. Uh, Drew Rasmussen was up at the bullpen uh, in the ninth inning. So if it was in the ninth inning when you thought you saw Hauser out there, uh, that was not Hauser. That was Rasmus. And if it was earlier in the game, maybe he was getting a side session in. I, I don't know. I never saw Hauser up. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just don't know when you saw him, and uh, I I did not see him. So maybe I'm wrong on that one. But no, I do not see him becoming a reliever. Like it really doesn't matter whether he was up or not, and I don't think he was. But even if he was for whatever reason. I absolutely do not see him becoming a reliever. He's three and three with a three point four four ERA. He's he's turned a corner this year. And is he is he putting up the numbers that Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns are putting up? No, he's not. But that's that's very solid. You you if you view him as your number three or number four starter, to me, if if you were beginning a postseason uh, series right now, I, I don't know if you would go Woodruff or Burns first. You, but you would go those guys one two. I'd probably put Anderson as my number three, and then I I don't know, but you got Freddie Peralta as well. That's a thank goodness that we're, we're talking about this uh, on uh, what's the date? Today's May twelfth. Maybe I'd go Peralta number three at this point. I probably would actually. And then so I almost view Hauser as your fifth starter, uh, and, and I know that's not how it was when the season got started, where Peralta was really the fifth starter. But you kind of. If you if you look at the rotation and you look at the guys and how they're performing, uh, I, I guess I would put Hauser as as that fifth guy, maybe maybe fourth. It doesn't really matter. The point I'm making is, go look across baseball. Go look at, at starting rotation after starting rotation after starting rotation, and go look at the number four and the number five starters across baseball. I don't think you're going to find a lot of guys with 3.44 ERAs. Uh, Hauser has done a really nice job for the team. So uh, there is there is some dislike out there for Hauser. We get text messages and we get tweets and everything about Hauser fairly often, and I don't I don't completely understand it. And again, I think this goes back to something that we talk about a lot on this program that development doesn't stop just because you get to the big leagues. And the greatest example of that is Corbin Burns. Burns had a really bad season two years ago. There were people out there that just wanted nothing, wanted nothing to do with Burns, wanted him out of the organization, wanted him released, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And it's it's crazy to talk about that now when you look at what he has done so far this year. Just because a guy has a bad season, just because a guy hits a, a bit of a speed bump. On the day that Alec Bettinger made his Major League debut and just got just got destroyed, but got destroyed in a in a really tough situation where... He didn't even pitch in big league games during spring training. He didn't play in any Cactus League games. He was banged up. He had never pitched above the double-A level, and all of a sudden you got this guy out there making his major league debut against the Dodgers. 
Yeah, he got beat up pretty good that day. That has absolutely no bearing on what kind of pitcher he's going to be in the future. And we got text messages that day saying, you know what, this guy needs to be released. There's no reason for him to be part of the team. No, that's not the case. He's a top 30 prospect, and he's somebody who just needs to get an opportunity to uh, to go to uh, AAA and, and, and be a guy who can pitch on an every fifth day basis, and that's what he's going to be able to do. So, yeah, I, I, I don't go, I don't get the, uh, the the general dislike from some of Adrian Hauser. I think he has taken another step this year, and it's been really good to be able to see that. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I think it's notable when you see what the Brewers have done in this series to talk about the success against Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and you're probably already laughing at me when I say that because of what happened in the 11th inning yesterday. Fair, totally fair. Those guys obviously with the Goldschmidt home run and then Arenado was able to step right up and, and, and hit that double a, a moment later and, and keep that inning going. Like I, Obviously they made a huge impact in that game. If somehow the Brewers found a way to win that game before it ever got to the 11th inning, and they had the opportunities, and yesterday they were, what, one for 15 with runners in scoring position, I think it was? They had tons of opportunities, and Goldschmidt and Arnado really only got the chance to have that big impact on the game because it went to the 11th. I'm not running away from the fact that they did have that major impact, but it happened in the 11th inning. Brewers took care of those guys for the vast majority of the game yesterday. And then you look today, Goldschmidt did get that hit uh, there in the ninth inning, the double down the left field line, but he goes one for four. Nolan Arnato goes 0 for three. If, if, if there's a thing to be excited about so far in this series, I think it's the job that Brewers pitching has done specifically against those two guys. And I don't mean to be dismissive against the rest of the St. Louis lineup, and they've got some They've got some nice pieces. I mean, you got a, you got a ton of guys who are hitting, you know, 270 or above. Tommy Edmonds at 278. Dylan Carlson's at 286. Yadier Molina is at 296. Uh, Harrison Bader's at 275 after he has the two hits today. Even Tyler O'Neill, uh, he's not. He doesn't have a great batting average at 241, but he's a dangerous hitter with his ability to uh, to, to hit home runs. But that that St. Louis lineup, the the thing that makes it is those two guys in the middle in Goldschmidt and Arenado, and it's a really unique thing because it just feels feels like every single time you got to go through those guys, it's going to be it's a challenge, and it can have a it can completely turn a game over, change the game around, and I just I think it's been impressive what the Brewers have been able to do for the most part against those guys. You take out an 11th inning yesterday, and a very important 11th inning yesterday. I'm not just trying to completely dismiss it, but you look at what they have done. In the nine inning portions of these first two games, they've had good success against them. And if you want to, if you want to win this division, if you want to have success against St. Louis, and I do think that the Cardinals and the Brewers, whatever order you want to put them in, these are the two best teams in the National League Central. I think these teams are better than the Cubs. I think they're better than the Reds, and clearly they are better than the Pirates as well. I don't know if the Cardinals are better than the Brewers, or if the Brewers are, are better than the Cardinals. They're they're built in different ways. I think from a depth perspective, the Brewers have a deeper team. Again, you talk about that firepower that the Cardinals have. It's just tough to look past that middle of the order with Goldschmidt and Arnato. Clearly, the Brewers have better pitching, and, and St. Louis. It's not like St. Louis pitching is bad, but you look at who the Brewers are able to 
put out in the starting rotation and then what they have in the back end of the bullpen. I don't think there's any doubt that the Brewers have better pitching. But if you want to beat the Cardinals, if you want to have success against this team, if you want to win the division, you you got to have success against those two guys in Goldschmidt and Arenado. And, again, other than an 11th inning yesterday, I think the Brewers have done a, a pretty good job with that. Brandon Woodruff was uh, he was spectacular, and, and you feel bad that he gave up that home run there in the eighth inning. They were allowing him to pitch deep into a game. Brewers pitchers do not pitch into the eighth inning very often. They don't uh, see the lineup over and over very often, but uh, Woodruff was given that opportunity today. We'll talk more about uh, his performance. It was really, really good. You feel bad that he doesn't have a W next to his name, uh, but we'll talk about Woodruff's performance and uh, continue to talk to you. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We're back with more in just a moment. Brewers get the win. They knock off the Cardinals, winning by a 4-1 score. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Back with you once again, Brandon Woodruff. Ready? Here he comes. Hey, struck him out swinging. And the inning is over. O'Neill tried to check his swing, couldn't do it, and Woody strikes him out. Three up and three down. 4-1, Brewers get the win over St. Louis. Welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Craig Kishon from Bally Sports Wisconsin joining us as well. And Craig, kind of what we've been talking about on the program so far, I think it was just huge that I was talking about answering runs, and especially with what happened yesterday with the way the Brewers lost that game, for them to give up the lead there in the eighth and come right back and score those runs in the bottom of the inning, I just thought that was huge. It, it was really big, and, and it just goes to show where this team should be and is capable of being, and they've given a few games away that way. You know, when you don't score a lot of runs, like has been happening here for the majority of the season for the Brewers, it's uh, it's really critical to have guys step up. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Travis Shaw was able to step up with two outs, but just how that, that eighth inning survive and resuscitated if you will with the with the Vogelback strikeout wild pitch of all people reaching first base mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have figured it was going to be him probably ever but um those little things that's that's what makes this game so beautiful because you go back and you say how did they do that and all all you need to do is have somebody reach base and keep the inning going and you're passing the baton to your better hitters and Travis Shaw, I, I just can't imagine where this team would be, you know, without Christian Yelich in the lineup for most of the year, with, without what we're seeing out of Travis Shaw. Let's go to the phone. Sparky in Madison has given us a call. Hey, Sparky, you're on WTMJ. Okay, fellas. Hey, thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, you know, uh, when Yelich had his big years here two and three years ago, you know, he had a lot of protection in that lineup with Aguilar and Thames and Grandel. And Mustakis, and you know those guys are all gone now. And hopefully, when Yelich comes back, and I guess that's an unknown right now. Uh, you know, he's, he as of right now, that Brewer offense really is very anemic. And you know, when he does come back, uh, uh, it, it, I kind of think it's going to be a challenge on his part uh, because he's not going to get that kind of protection he had before. Now, there again, I suppose that works both ways. When he's in the lineup, and if he's hitting. It makes it easier for some of those guys 
But, you know, this year's team with the pitching it has, well, you hate like heck to see a good waste uh, and not get the consistent run production that you've gotten in the past. So I just like to get some feedback from you guys insofar as that situation with uh, the guys they've lost over the years and how that could affect Yelich. So I'd just like to hear what you guys have to say, fellas, okay? Yes, Barky, appreciate it. Uh, Yelich this year in 10 games, hitting 353, so he's not having a hard time hitting. Now he's not hitting for power. Uh, if we're, we'll, let's be, you know, be very fair in how we present the numbers. He's hitting 353, not hitting for a lot of power. I think most of us figured the power was going to come if he would continue to just put, you know, good swings on the ball, that, uh, that the power was going to be there. Um, no, I think Sparky's right when he says there's not as much protection as maybe there was previously. But at the same time, that doesn't that just right now. Maybe I'm just being short-sighted, but that doesn't worry me for for Yelich. No, and and I think you know some of the names that you know. And Sparky does bring up a good point, but I think some of the names and some of the players that were around Yelich when he had the the MVP season and and the season where he almost won another one the following year, um, I mean, those guys weren't consistent hitters. Uh, Aguilar had one half of good season with Milwaukee, uh, and after the All-Star break, he he fizzled pretty fast. That's one of the reasons he's not on the team right now. And and Eric Thames was kind of the same way. Um, Christian Yelich is going to do his thing. Um, and, and I'm glad you looked up his batting average because I knew he was doing well before he went on the injured list the first time, but there was no power there. And maybe that had something to do with the lack of power, this, this back situation that he's fighting through. I would think so. You know, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you, you look at Christian Yelich, if you're here at the ballpark in the middle of the afternoon and we get here on home games, he's doing just about everything you can imagine and, and swinging the bat, t- taking BP, uh, outfield fly balls. I, I just don't know if he's got his legs as part of this uh, issue with his back or not. I haven't seen him do a ton of running. I'm only, I'm only guessing at this part because I know a lot of people want to know all the time we bring up his name, when do you think he's coming back? And, and the club's not letting on. We just know what we can see. He's out here in front of our eyes doing his thing. But he's clearly not ready to play at a full-time basis at this point. Yeah, I've always said that like, I would be surprised if we see him in the month of May. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting to a point now where if he already missed three weeks, came back for one day, you've got to imagine it's going to be at least another three weeks or maybe a month before he's cleared to come back to be a hundred I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just putting that out there. You don't wanna mess around with this because by the time if you if you mess around with it a second time and something happens, you're talking about half a season right. now. Yeah, you are. And he probably goes on a rehab assignment. You probably want to test him out in a in a triple A or a double A or send him to Appleton and you know, let him go play four innings in a game and you know, that way he's not playing a full nine inning game. Let him go get two at bats in a game and see how the back feels the next day. So there's right. there's more of a process to it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, eight five five six one six one six twenty, the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line from the four one four. Need more small ball, may have at least five or six more wins. Philly series last night for sure. Basics and fundamentals will pay off. Uh, thank you. So I, I guess when you say small ball, we need to kind of define that a little bit more. If you think putting bunts down is going to result in a bunch more wins, no. Uh, if you have a more targeted approach at the plate where you're trying to go the other way, hitting away, things like that, maybe you have a, a win or two more. I think the idea of this team having five or six more wins 
not to be disrespectful to our texter. I, I think that's kind of crazy. Really, look, everybody wins sixty and everybody loses sixty every year. That's one hundred and twenty games that you've already got set as winning or losing. You got forty games basically that determine if you have a good season or a bad season. So here we are, six weeks into the year, and we've got a texter saying you get five or six more wins. Well, that, that's fifteen percent of your games that are essentially on the table, that of that 40 games that are available. And you know, a lot of times people say, oh, you know, a manager will cost you 10 games in a year. No, it won't. A, ma- a good manager might win you one or two games. A bad manager might lose you one or two games. Like, it's just, it, I think the, the direction that these games go and the, the wins and losses I don't think are, I, I don't think you can win or lose as many by these small things that people say. Well, I think part of small ball that that any club can play um, is is advancing runners w- once they're on base. Yeah, and I agree and, with that. And, yeah, and I think you know I think this team has struggled doing that. So my version of small ball is that I I, I get it. You know what? I'm not going to argue against a team that says they're not going to bunt. I mean, I, what power do we have when we know they're flat out saying we are not going to bunt? So that's a dead issue. Small ball doesn't end there, though. It, right. It ends by, you know, the old saying, giving up an at-bat, advancing a runner, no matter who you are in the lineup, trusting the guy behind you, handing the baton off. Not striking out. But, and not striking out. Obviously, that, but that's, that's, that's a, another category, though. I mean, there's no question about that. Putting the ball in play would be huge, even a little bit more. Um, but I, the intention of advancing runners no matter where they are is is huge especially with with less than uh an out or or less than one out for the bunt lovers out there look what happened today when each team bunted when the brewers attempted a bunt with brandon woodruff it turned into a double play the cardinals bunted twice in one inning craig how many runs did they score in that inning i don't believe they scored they did not yeah Brewers uh, get the win over St. Louis by a 4-1 score. We're back with more live from American Family Field in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley. Ready to work again. 2-0 coming back. Travis sends it to center. Deep. Warning track. Going to be catch a ball. How about that play? That was unbelievable. That was such a veteran play right there. Who who thinks he doesn't have his legs underneath him, Lorenzo Cain? Hey, you know what? Well, we've watched that replay how many times now? Several times. You can't tell me he didn't think he was scoring on that play as soon as he took off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he was, his, his head was that. There's no way he's making a slide. There's no way he's standing up. There's no way he's stopping. He'd blow his knees out if he stopped between third base and home to turn around and go back he he was going he just this is the beauty this is the intelligence of of a baseball player and and you know it, that that is just fun to see scoring baseball games it's a really tough job i've done it i hated doing it i hated doing it so much if i would have been scoring that play and i'm going to take i'm not trying to take a shot at uh, at our official score tonight but if i would have been scoring that game that i would not have ruled an error on that play 
I would have ruled it a sack fly and a two-base advancement on the sack fly because he's down on all fours when he makes that catch. You know, the exchange, you're in a really funky situation. He's trying to get the ball out of his glove as quickly as he can from all fours to get that ball off. Like you said, Kane looked like he was, you know, it's, he's throwing from his, from his legs. If he, if he doesn't have the, uh, the bobble, he's still throwing off of all fours. There's no guarantee he's going to get anything on that throw. So, um, yeah, I probably would have scored it differently. Yeah, that that's interesting because, you know, when, when you go back and you think about it and you have the time to look and see how things unfold, you know, because he's throwing from the warning track just in front of the wall at the deepest part of the ballpark, he's not getting anything on that throw to, to his relay. So that that's a long relay coming. I mean, you just know Lorenzo Cain had that mapped out in his head in less than a second. He he knew he's been in the situation. Yeah. He's seen it before. He's been successful before. Um, that that's just a heads up play. And I would never, ever want to be an official scorer. Never. I love Tim O'Driscoll. Jerolson was in here tonight. They do a fantastic job. Uh, you couldn't pay me enough to do that trust me i had to do it in the minor leagues occasionally and it was horrible and those interactions you had with managers after games who didn't like your calls forget it it was some of the worst things i've ever dealt with with um so i would be official scoring a game as a broadcaster and the way that we would do it is the scoreboard people were in a different room they would have my radio broadcast on so literally on the broadcast i would say well the official score is going to rule that a hit and that's how they would put it up on the board. That is beautiful. There would be times where I'm trying to think through, like, is that a hit or an hit? I'm, I'm, I'm doing play-by-play of a darn game all while I'm replaying it in my head because there's no replay or anything, so it's just my head. So I'm trying to do play-by-play while thinking through it. So I'm saying on the air, oh, the official score is taking a long time making a decision on this one. Just keep oh. talking out loud so you come up with your decision, right? <laughs> or, boy, that was a quick decision by the official score. He was right on that. He served. <laughs> that one uh real quick before we get you out of here craig brandon woodruff my goodness uh seven and two-thirds innings one run three hits he gives up the home run there in the eighth inning when he was uh at a high pitch count but that is uh that that's that's as good as we've seen him i mean that was a really special day yeah it really was and and this guy's really to the point now where you have to think he's He's nearly unhittable, to be honest with you. This groove he's in right now, and and the fact that um, he's got seven straight quality starts after that four-inning uh, opening day performance, and every one of his starts, I'm I'm pretty sure, I mean, has gotten that much, a measurable amount better. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, this guy's scary right now. Right. Uh, what's his ERA? One six four, I think. One six four. This after this outing here. And uh, just the two-on-one record, but the team's winning with him out there. Um, I think the team's now six and two when he starts. So I guess to me that's how I'm going to measure everything. But man, he is—he—he uh, he almost went eight innings tonight. And and I hate to say that, you know, whoo, you know, and we're celebrating, but. These guys are all making steps. You know, Woodruff, Peralta, Burns, they're making great steps to go even deeper in ball games, and, and that is huge for this team right now. This is his ERA journey this year. 6.75 after the first game. It then, in each subsequent start, 2.45, 2.19, 2.12, 1.96, 
1.55. He then gives up an ungodly two runs in six innings, and it jumps up to 1.80 before going 1.73 and then 1.64. So it has gone down every single start except for one since opening day. Um, his demeanor is off the charts. Um, I love listening to him talk. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you see it on the mound. Um, there, there's nothing that will defeat him, and and that's where you think Corbin Burns is headed right now. Um, I think Freddie Peralta's made a, a tremendous jump. I don't know if he's going to be um, mind-wise where these two other pitchers are, at least this season. I'm not sure, but um, it doesn't matter. Woody's setting the pace for this club. 4-1, Brewers get the win over the Cardinals. The news in two minutes and post-game comments from manager Craig Council after that here on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Now the pitch. Swing and a miss. Molina didn't look like he wanted much to do with Brandon Woodruff on that one. That was way off the outside corner. He looked like he was looking fastball, was going to swing at whatever, and he did. Brewers get the win tonight. They knock off the Cardinals. 4-1 series, even 1-1 going into the pitching matchup tomorrow. That is the Best pitching matchup of the series. Corbin Burns coming back off the uh, health and protocol, safety protocol injured list, and uh, he's going to face off against Jack Flaherty. A couple guys who are putting together very good seasons. Burns 2-2, two and 1-5-3 two, ERA. Flaherty 6-0 and oh, with a 2.83 ERA. More about tomorrow's game later on. But right now, let's go ahead and uh, hear from Andrew Craig Council. He spoke with the media just a bit ago, uh, as you might expect opened up his comments talking about the performance of starting pitcher Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun watching, like, a pitcher, a good pitcher even become better, um, and, and that's a really good pitcher become better, and that's that's kind of what's happening right now. And, um, you know, it's just everything's just a little bit better, I think, with him, and he's completely in control of kind of his, you know, emotional state out there, and it's it's just he's competing really well. Nothing, nothing really gets him off it, and um, – and then he's just got an incredible fastball. And that the fastball that he can just pour in the strike zone located um, just makes the hitter, hitter have to be aggressive because he's throwing so many strikes. And um, you know, he's able to kind of get through innings pretty pretty efficiently. Greg, was it good to see some of those – sorry, Sophia. Was it good to see some of those breaks finally go your way offensively tonight? Yeah, I mean, the innings, you know, the, the, the rally started in a pretty strange way um, with a with a, a strikeout and just getting a, getting a base. So, um, no, that that was that was probably the break, the big break. But uh, then we then we put two great swings on baseballs that um, drove ball in the gap and hit a ball over the fence, and and that that was that was the good stuff. Greg, what about you just being able to balance like the high strikeout numbers, specifically the last two starts, but also being pretty effective with pitches per inning and just being able to get deep into games? I mean, that's not easy to do. Yeah, that, that's just a product of how many strikes he's throwing. I think it's it's um, he, he's executing pitches so quickly, and then the 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 off speed stuff that we've talked about, just taking a tick up. You know, I think we've seen. I think last year, Woody at times would run into being really efficient for the for some some innings, and then he gets a hitter would kind of get him stuck, and some long at bats would would 
you know, not necessarily like damage was created, but just a long at bat would, would kind of drive up the pitch count. And he's just, he's been really much more efficient at either putting hitters away or making a pitch that they put in play. That's, that's not, um, you know, a ground ball or something like that. So, um, it's a product for a guy that just continues to attack the strike zone. Oh, this was a bizarre play there in the sixth, how you got your first run. But what does it say about Lorenzo's just kind of his awareness as a base runner to score score from second there on that fly to center? Yeah, I mean, if you watch Lorenzo, it's it's you know he he took a little he was he's tagging and then he off then when the guy's slips he comes off the bag like thinking he might have to score and, and really push it. Um, and then we went back to tag and because he saw the guy catch it. I, I think he was thinking right there, I, I got a chance to score. I'm not sure what's going to happen. He's got his back to the ball, and then, and then Jason did a nice job in, in keeping him going. But it's a play that Lorenzo, you know, on the bases, he sees everything. Uh, he, he really does. So it's a play he saw right when Bader fell. Um, that was his thought as he was headed to third, I'm sure. And how about Pablo Reyes and Lane on that other one? It, that could have been a really close play at the uh, plate, probably with a clean relay. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a definite send. I mean it's two outs. You know, it's that's a definite send. If it's tie game. It's you, you, you got to take a shot there for sure with a, with a relay throw. Craig, you talked about those clutch at bats kind of being the the thing that determines those games. Uh, is this week is some of those offensive struggles? Is that do you see any similarities as to last week in that Philly series, or is it just division series against a really good team? And and you're going to have your moments; they're going to have their moments. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good game. I mean, it was a well pitched game, and you know their guy kind of bend not break. Um, we, we couldn't get the big hit. Um, you know, we're not we haven't been great offensively this past week, um, but uh, we we've also I think we faced some from some guys that throw the ball pretty good, and and just it's one of those spots where you're just we've had guys on base and just not getting that next hit. So it's it's baseball. I mean, it's it's baseball, and obviously we'd like to score more runs and and keep keep trying to score more runs. And my goal is to just keep putting pressure on teams. I think we're doing a fairly good job of that, and, and break through one of these times. Craig, Avi's been consistently striking the ball hard for some time now, and that one he hit tonight, I mean, we were just saying you don't see a lot of balls go up where that Miller light sign is up there. Yeah, he's he's been in a little stretch where the ball's going, he's pulling the ball in the air, um, and it, and it's fastball, slider, whatever, you know, both of them, so that's those are the good stretches for him when he's when he's taking that good swing, and he's he's, he's been there for a little bit now, you're right. Magic Creek Council just a little while ago just learned a little bit of history was made tonight. Not good history, but history nonetheless. According to uh, Doug Kern, Brandon Woodruff is the first pitcher in Brewers history to allow one run or less and strike out 10-plus in consecutive games and not get the win in either game. That has never happened in Brewers history until today. We'll tell you the whole story of the game with the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Fly ball. This? Deep right. And this? Third deck. Holy smokes. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. A 4-1 win for the Brewers. They knock off the Cardinals. Starting pitching matchup. It's Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the crew. John Gant going for St. Louis. 
pretty good pitching in the early going as uh, each pitcher was uh, pretty dominant. Brewers would get some runners aboard, but they could not get that proverbial big hit. Scoreless going into the fourth inning. Woodruff just rolling along. The big thing when you're facing St. Louis, you got to have success against Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Well, Woodruff uh, certainly did in the fourth inning, where with one out, he gets Paul Goldschmidt to pop out, and that brings up Arenado. From the windup, the 1 2. Swing and a miss. 98 in on his hands. Arenado swung through it. Strikeout number five for Brandon Woodruff. Lots more strikeouts coming from Woodruff in the fifth inning. He would strike out Paul DeYoung after a ground out from Yadier Molina. It would bring up Tyler O'Neill. Back with you once again, Brandon Woodruff ready. Here he comes. Hey, struck him out swinging. And the inning is over. O'Neill tried to check his swing, couldn't do it, and Woody strikes him out. Three up and three down. How about the sixth inning? Harrison Bader would lead the inning off with a base hit. John Gant then put down a sacrifice bunt. That moved Bader to second. Tommy Edmond then puts down a bunt. That moves Bader to third, so two outs in the inning with Dylan Carlson at the plate. Ball one, strike two. Two men around. Here he comes. He struck him out swinging. Brandon Woodruff at 96 with strikeout number eight on the evening. Still scoreless going to the bottom of the sixth inning. Lorenzo Kane leads the inning off by being hit by a pitch. Then Daniel Vogelback walks. So runners on at first and second. And that ends the day for John Gant. Hinesis Cabrera comes on. And the first batter he faces is Travis Shaw. Ready to work again. 2-0 coming back. Travis sends it to center. Deep. Warning track. Going to be catch a ball. The umpires would rule that Bader does make the catch, and then the ball came out when he was trying to exchange it from his glove into his throwing hand. He was down uh, basically on, on all fours when he was when he was doing that. Uh, they would rule an air on him on a fielding air, and that would allow Kane to score, and it makes it a one nothing game. Brandon Woodruff back out for the top of the seventh inning. Gets Paul Goldschmidt to fly out, Nolan Arnato to line out, so he faces those turf two guys to uh, start the inning, puts each of them out, and brings up Edmundo Sousa. The pitch, swing and a miss. He struck him out with his slider. Strikeout number nine for Brandon Woodruff. He's through seven shutout, and the Brewers go to the bottom of the seventh with a one nothing lead. Brewers would take that one nothing lead into the eighth inning, and Brandon Woodruff would come back out. First batter he would face in the eighth, Yadier Molina. Now the pitch. Swing and a miss. Molina didn't look like he wanted much to do with Brandon Woodruff on that one. That was way off the outside corner. He looked like he was looking fastball, was going to swing at whatever, and he did. But then the next hitter is Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill sends one in the air to right. This is trouble. Garcia's going to watch it go out of here, and St. Louis has tied the game on a Tyler O'Neill home run to right field. 
Harrison Bader would get a base hit. He was caught stealing. It went to replay, and a replay actually ruled in favor of the Brewers. But then Matt Carpenter would walk, and that would end the day for Brandon Woodruff. Devin Williams would come on. He would get Tommy Edmond to ground out, and it is a 1-1 game going to the bottom of the eighth inning, but it does not stay 1-1 very long. Ryan Helsey on to pitch for St. Louis. First battery faces Colton Wong. He lines out. Then Lorenzo Kane flies out, so quickly two outs in the inning. That brings up uh, Daniel Vogelback, who strikes out but reaches first on a wild pitch. Pablo Reyes then comes on as a pinch runner, and Travis Shaw comes to the plate. He's holding. Sends one in the right center. This is going to be an extra base hit. Off the wall. Reyes around third. He's coming on home. The throw. He's in there. On a scorching double by Travis Shaw. But the Brewers are not done yet. Next hitter of Isayo Garcia. He was rocking and rolling. Swing a fly ball. Left and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone. Abasail Garcia just hit a two-run shot out of here. That would end the day for Ryan Helsey. Tyler Webb would come on, get the final out, and the game would go to the ninth with the Brewers leading by a 4-1 score. Josh Hader comes on, he strikes out Dylan Carlson, but then Paul Goldschmidt gets a double, and Nolan Arnato walks. So you've got the tying run coming up to the plate, and Edmundo Sosa, he would ground into a fielder's choice where uh, Arnato would be out at second. That's the second out of the inning, and it brings up Yadier Molina. Josh deals, swing and a miss, he struck him out, and this one is over. He got him with a breaker down low and in, and Molina went after it, and the Brewers take game two. Wow. With the win, the Brewers go to 20-17. and 17. The Cardinals, they drop to 22-15. and 15. Winning totals for Milwaukee, four runs, five hits, one air. They leave six for St. Louis, one run, four hits, one air. They leave five. Winning pitcher Devin Williams, he's 1-0. The loss to Ryan Helsey, he's 3-1. The save to Josh Hader, his eighth. Home runs, Garcia, his fifth. O'Neal, his seventh. The game lasting three hours and seven minutes. Played in front of a crowd of 10,220 folks at American Family Field. Brewers get the win over St. Louis, and now they go for a series win tomorrow. We'll preview tomorrow's contest. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio. This is News Radio WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. A 4-1 win for the Brewers over the Cardinals. Series even at a game apiece. Rubber game of the match tomorrow afternoon. More on that in a moment. Around the National League Central, the Reds score four runs in the top of the 10th inning. They win in Pittsburgh by a 5-1 score. Mike Moustakis hitting his fourth home run of the year. Cubs lose uh, in Cleveland to the Indians in 10 innings. That was a 2-1 final there. So as we take a look 
at the standings right now in the National League Central. Cardinals do continue to lead the division. They have a record of 22-15. and The Brewers are back within two games of first place at 20-17. and And then you've got the Reds at 17-17, and three-and-a-half back. The Cubs at 17-19, and four-and-a-half back. And then the Pirates, they have really been struggling recently. They're all the way down to 15-21, and six-and-a-half back. It was not that long ago that they were a game above 500. I think they've only won two games since then as they've gone on a, uh, a pretty long period of not playing good baseball. And, and I kind of expected that to happen. We talked about that when they came in here and won a series. Like you give them credit for being scrappy, but you, you knew at some point they would be kind of who they are. Around the Brewers' minor league system at Nashville, they put up nine runs tonight. They knock off Memphis by a 9-6 score as they get to a 4-3. and three. Uh, Biloxi at double-A, they fall short. They get doubled by Mississippi today by a 6-3 score. High A, Wisconsin, they get walked off in Peoria as they end up losing 9-8. And then low A, Carolina, they get rained out. They were supposed to play it down east, but they were unable to play that game. Good pitching matchup coming up tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field as the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to wrap up the series with the rubber game of the match. Winner takes the series for the Brewers. It's going to be Corbin Burns on the mound as he comes back after he's been on the injured list for a while. He is set to be opposed by Jack Flaherty. Burns 2-2, and 1.53 ERA. Flaherty 6-0 and with a 2.83 ERA. 12.40 for first pitch. That means our coverage begins at 12.05 tomorrow. Coming up right here on WTMJ.